It's time for another edition of the Sports Chumps on 88.1 FM, W-E-L-H. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity... Seize everything you ever wanted One moment Did you capture it? Just let it slip Yo, yo Chumps, episode 43. My name is Mikey Nails. My broadcast partner is Dean the Dream. This episode is going to be called the Zoom episode, a.k.a. Mikey Nails is a little under the weather. Dean the Dream, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, my friend. And I've got to call you Lou Gehrig, a.k.a. the Iron Horse, because you go out there and you play no matter what. You get the job done. You took the place of Wally Pip in 1925, and the rest is history. 2,130 games straight without missing a game. Mikey nails the broadcast version of Lou Gehrig, a.k.a. the Iron Horse. You go out there and you play no matter what. I got a couple of names I'm going to throw at you. Oh, here we go. Raul Mondesi. Oh, oh. I nails off the top of Raul Mondesi. I was waiting for Dennis Eckersley. No, I got, I'm not done yet. Dennis right, Eckersley. Dennis Eckersley. Mondesi was swell. Go ahead. Dennis Eckersley. The best. Yep. Rick Sutcliffe. All right. Okay. Sutcliffe, 16-1 after the trade to Cle- from Cleveland in, uh, in 1984 to the Cubs. Cy Young. I'll go, go with that. Yep. Chris Humphreys. Swell. That's hardcore aggressive. Hey, by the way, Chris Humphreys, didn't he like going to Kardashian? Yeah, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so far, X the good. So far, go yeah. ahead. Uh, I don't really have much more than that. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of number 43s, to be honest with you. No. I mean, you, you might have some, some, some like surprises out there. I mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, the, the, the biggest one is, is, is Dennis Eckersley. Uh, Michael Jordan in 95, something about 43. I don't know what happened there. Well, they lost his jersey one day, but I thought it was 45. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know what was going on with that. That's, that was a, okay. weird, that's a weird thing. Uh, Chuck Hayes, the NBA. <laughs> Chuck Hayes. Totally lame. Yeah, don't, don't even know. Never, never even heard of the guy. Um, trying to think. Uh MLB, all I got is Raul Mondesi, Eckersley. Who else? What do you got? All right, well, I'm going to be honest with you, Michael. I'm going to retract. I jumped the gun. Raul Mondesi was a solid MLB player. With Los Angeles Dodgers, rookie of the year, when they had that little string of every year having the rookie of the year. Um, Mondesi had a nice career. Ended up with the Yankees and the Blue Jays late in his career. Of course, once he put on the pinstripes, I was all done with him. His son, um, Alberto Mondesi, um, played shortstop. He's sort of a swing guy for the Kansas City Royals. He got popped for PEDs a couple of years ago, but he's supposed to be a stud. Um, I don't think they have much of a relationship, but he is Alberto Mondesi Jr. Because I guess his real name was Alberto. He changed his name to Alberto because of the riff with his dad. But um, obviously a lot of talent in the family. But let's go back to Dennis Eckersley, because I believe it's Eck and nobody else. Because here's a guy, Hall of Famer, obviously one of the greatest closers of all time outside of Mariano Rivera. Obviously, his great years with the Oakland A's as a closer. Had some good years, won 20 games with the Red Sox in 1978. Came up with the Cleveland Indians and threw a no-hitter, I guess, at the age of 20. So, Eckersley has a star-studded career. And I think you've seen what he's done the last years, even as a fill-in broadcaster. Doesn't do it full-time because he chooses not to. But he is the most gifted uh, free-forum guys, as our episode is going to be free-forum. Great broadcaster, great pitcher. 
He's a Hall of Famer all the way around. Do we label him as a legend? Yeah, well, I mean, he made the Hall of Fame. I don't think he, Michael, I don't think he gets in without those closing years in Oakland. So I'm going to say that the, that the closing years made him a Hall of Famer. I believe he still won close to 200 games as a starter. But his, his career, Michael, was really like in flux. When he was with the Cubs, the Red Sox traded him to, to Chicago for, uh, for Bill Buckner. So I mean, that was a whole thing. Buckner came to the Red Sox for, for Eckersley. Eckersley was on the scrap heap. Nobody wanted him. He didn't get it done with the Cubs. And it was Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan, the pitching coach for Oakland, who resurrected him late in 86 into the 1987 season. They're the ones that turned his career around. And obviously he was a Cy Young Award winner. He got a, a World Series championship in 1989. That was the uh, that was the year of the um, the earthquake against the San Francisco Giants. So, all right, listen, early innings here. You can't see the vigil. Mikey Nails continues to flex. C- claims he's under the weather, but he's flexing like he just came from um, physical fitness up the street. I got early, one game. I'm going to throw one name at you. I'm going to throw uh, a little loop here. Mm-hmm. Little loop. Maybe one of the most underrated basketball players of all time. Okay. Brad Doherty. Wow. You, well, you hold him back. You throw him out now? <clears throat> Brad Doherty. You know, Michael, uh, I followed him in, from North Carolina when he came out of college, and he was obviously the number one pick in the draft by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'd say a really solid NBA career, but for the number one pick, was he an NBA stud? Eh, he was good. Was he a great pro? Eh, he was a very good pro. He was on that team with your boy, Mark Price. I know you're a big Mark Price fan. He was on those teams in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. I got one more. Go ahead. Jack Sigma. Oh, all right. Listen, Jack Sigma with the, with the weird shot playing down in the box. Seattle Supersonics, Milwaukee Bucks, the curly blonde hair. Big Sigma guy. You're throwing names out of the woodwork. I got one all more right. that you should know off the top of your head, the bloody sock. Well, Kurt Schilling was 38, not 43. Well, it says over here. Well, I'm looking right oh. now. No, Michael, you know why? When the Red Sox traded him from – Red Sox traded Kurt Schilling when he was a minor leaguer. They traded him to the Baltimore Orioles for Mike Bodica. And when he went to the Orioles, his first number, he w- did wear 43. So okay. you are correct, my friend. Okay. Nice job. Nice work. Oh, another NBA player, Michael Thompson. All right. You know his son is Clay Thompson of the Golden State yes. Warriors, so there's a little connection there, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um. The only thing about Brad Dowry that kind of like when I think of him, I remember his North Carolina days playing a little bit with Jordan. Uh, when I think of Doherty, I think of how he was the number one pick in the draft. And of course, if the Celtics had the number one pick that year, they probably would have picked him because back then it was all about size and centers. But obviously the Celtics had the number two pick and that was the infamous, you know, the Brett, uh, the Len Bias pick. And we all know what happened there. It was kind of sad. I got one more. We'll end it. Okay. He's up there with Kurt Rambis. Jeff Ruland. All right. Mikey Nails going with the bruiser to close it out. Jeff Ruland with the stash. Playing down low for the Washington Ben Bullets. Solid with number 43. I got to say, I'm impressed. You did your homework. You brought some 43s to the forefront, and there's some impressive names on that list. A lot more than I thought. But it seems like it's more of a basketball thing. What do you think? Yeah. I mean... I'm going to go Eckersley, the best on the baseball. Like, one, yeah. No, no, probably, no doubt about probably, it. Yeah, I would go. I have to go with Dennis Eckersley. And if you mean. just threw a bunch of you just threw a bunch of hoop names at me, I'd say out of that out of those names, oof. Brad Doherty. Yeah, I'll go with Doherty. Hey, you know what's funny about Doherty? He ended up being an analyst for ESPN. Usually, these guys retire, and obviously, they go into the broadcast booth or they go into the studio and they perfect their craft after playing many, many years. People don't know this. Your hair looks fine, by the way. He went into the, Michael. He went into the ESPN studio. You're gonna, you're not gonna be able to believe this. A seven, seven foot center, as a NASCAR analyst. Really? Yeah. And it was just weird. Every time I saw him on it, you know, I'm not a NASCAR guy, and I just see him in the studio. I don't know. Maybe he always had a love and affection for it. I don't know. But uh, Brad Dougherty was an analyst for ESPN for a long time as as a uh, as a NASCAR analyst. Great uh-huh. guy. Great ball player, obviously on all those talented North Carolina teams. But um, as an NBA player, I mean, he had Brad, he had Mark Price and Hot Rod Williams around him, and a lot of other players. Hot Rod Williams, wow, wow. Craig Elo. Yep, Jordan Rule. Cool. It's funny. Next week we do episode forty-four, and I've already got a bunch of forty-fours in my head. There's one guy. That I only got one. Of them. We're gonna save it for next week. Yeah, of course, Mister October. We're gonna save it for next week. But um. 
some great names. Wasn't on there, wasn't there a number 44 Oakland Raider that was legendary? Um, no, not to my, not off the top of my head. I mean, they had Darryl Stingley, they had Jack Tatum was 32. Maybe they did, not off the top of my head. 42 for the Raiders, 44 for the Raiders, I don't know. All right, let's, let's kick off the show a little MLB. You driving? I'm driving, brother. Go. All right, so obviously the season uh, was supposed to start on Thursday, but the rain uh, prohibited that from happening. Mother Nature stepped in. So obviously the Red Sox and Yankees got underway in the Bronx on Friday afternoon, a day game, which ended up in extra innings. Um, you and I talked about all these rule changes. I thought they were going back to normal, but it looks to me like they stuck with the whole man on second base rule. I don't love it, Michael. I don't love that tie game, the, the man on second in the extra innings. I know they're trying to avoid these 15-inning games, but it's just to me it's not pure baseball. But the Red Sox lose this one in extras. Um, again, <clears throat> the Red Sox lose this game, Michael, but there's a lot of things that I saw that I liked in this game. For instance, Garrett Cole, the Yankee ace, the $300 million pitcher. The Red Sox don't seem affected by facing him. They don't seem intimidated by him. Now, the Red Sox lose the game, but they scored three in the first inning. Raphael Devers with a two-run homer. Unfortunately, the Red Sox bats go silent the rest of the way, and the Yankee bullpen steps up and pretty much takes this one home for the Bronx Bombers. So the Red Sox just haven't really got their hitting shoes going early in the season, but um, they come back in game two of the series after Nate Evaldi pitches five innings in game one, and Nick Pavetta gets the ball on a Saturday afternoon game and uh, makes two bad pitches in this game. It seems like Giancarlo Stanton just continues to tear it up against the Red Sox. He hits a two-run homer which turns out to be the difference in a 4-2 win for the Yankees. So going into Sunday, the Red Sox were already 0-0-2 in the hole. That's the only game they won. What was it 3-2? They won that game? They won uh, the Sunday night game 4-3, and it, was, it wasn't really a great stop by Tanner Houck. He's in the well, rotation. Devers' first inning, Devers hit a bomb. Yeah, of, yeah, of, game one, like, of game one. Of game one, and it seems like even in game two, Verdugo hits a home run early. The Red Sox get out to these two, three, nothing leads, and then the bats go silent. Um, we're going to get into maybe, you know this roster and where they've got some holes maybe in the lineup or in the pitching staff. But um, the Red Sox come out of this game, come out of this series with, with obviously salvaging the third game on Sunday night baseball, and at least they don't get swept early in the season. Um, the bullpen steps up for the Red Sox, and I was impressed with uh, Matt Bonds. The, I guess he's supposed to be the closer this year, but it looks like uh, he's dealing with a little bit of a back injury. Jake Diekman. He's a journeyman lefty. They signed to a two-year deal late of the Oakland Athletics. He strikes out the side in the ninth inning, and it was no slouch. He strikes out Judge, Rizzo, and Stanton to end the game. So, you know, a lot, a lot of great things going on there for, uh, for Jake Diekman and the, uh, and the Boston Red Sox. He may be the closer. We may have found him on accident. What's your take on Rizzo? You think he's overrated? Well, you know, like last year, you joked about him, and then, you know, it obviously cooled off, but then the Yankees re-signed him to a two-year deal. And he tore it up. Again, I, as you, I'm glad you brought him up because he had a home run in the first two games. It seems like, is he going to be another Red Sox killer? I, I don't know. Um, I thought he had a lot of tread on the ties. I thought maybe his best days were behind him, but that may be a good signing for the Yankees. And as you and I said last year during um, the postseason push, he's a good guy to have in the locker room also. So um, I think Rizzo's going to be a valuable piece for the Yankees. And, and, you know, obviously it's all predicated on pitching with, with that team, with Severino, and Montgomery and their pitching staff. But um, I, I still think it's, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees going to be, you know, alive in this pennant race. But, of course, you've got Tampa Bay and Toronto also. And then they just had a game against, uh, what, Detroit? Yes, yeah, so the Red Sox obviously traveled to Detroit. Um, I hate to bring it up, but their six, six-year, $140 million free agent, Trevor Story, had a tough series against the Yankees, and now he got food poisoning. He hasn't played in this Detroit series. So he's on the shelf with Mikey Nails, but Mikey Nails is toughing it out. So I don't know what's going on in the locker room there, but you don't want to see it spread. But I guess he said he did a little food poisoning. It's not COVID. He, um, he flew from New York to Detroit separately from the rest of the team. And, uh, you know, obviously he hasn't played in the series. So obviously the Red Sox are a little bit thin in their offensive lineup right now. You got JBJ out there swinging it here. You got a Royal who can hit the ball, but he can't field it. He's got his glove on to keep himself warm. I don't know what we're doing over here. The, so big, hero, some... the big hero in the game was how, well, Javier Baez hit a, a two-run shot in the what, bottom of the eighth? Yeah, that was a bomb off Brazier. And of course, Baez likes, to, Baez likes to swing from the hips, and it seems like Brazier put the ball on his back and kind of made it easy for him. Uh, Baez is the guy I'm throwing sliders away, and I'm making him use the big part of the ballpark. But it seems like Brazier made a mistake there. 
And of course, when you're only scoring one run, Michael, does it really matter? You're not going to win many baseball games. But uh, it's funny you mentioned Baez because he got the same exact contract from Detroit that the Red Sox gave to Trevor Story. And they're both shortstop second basemen, same age, six-year, $140 million deal. So let's see how it plays out in a couple of years, whether it's Baez or Story, who, uh, which team gets the most bang for their buck. Two excellent ballplayers coming over from the National League. Um, one's a little more quiet demeanor in Trevor Story, and Baez a little bit more of a, of a free spirit. Could be a problem in the locker room. We'll see how it plays out for both teams. So what is the actual uh, home opener for the, for the Sox? Is it tomorrow night or Friday? I, be I believe um, – so tomorrow the Red Sox on Wednesday will face their old friend, Eduardo Rodriguez. He yep. goes against Nathan Avaldi in the series finale. And the Red Sox come home. I believe they get a day off on Thursday, and they come home on Friday for the home opener. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That was the series I told you I was in, I was invited to and had to turn down. So, oh, yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to any of those games? No, nah, I can't do it, man. I got too much going on. Well, it's, it's still cold right now, too, no? Yeah, yeah, you'll get tickets. We'll go. You're going to go with your significant other. We'll definitely go. We'll, 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 yeah, no, you and I'll I always drive find this time. <laughs> you, and, you and I always found the, find a way for me to drive down a one-way. All right, Sports Jumps here, episode 43. Dream nails under the weather, but still getting it done. He's talking it out like, like, like the Iron Horse, Lou Gehrig, getting it done here on episode 43. Dennis Eckersley nails chucking out Jack Sigma, late of the Seattle Supersonics and Milwaukee Bucks. Getting it done here. Solid stuff, Nails. I appreciate it. Dean the Dream in the hizzy. Well, always, brother, always. so MLB, after all the talk we did, a little, little more talk about MLB. After all the talk we did, I, I had all the questions for you uh, last episode, which was episode 42, the Jackie Robinson episode. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone was, was, was talking big, 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 big about the Dodgers. Big time about the Dodgers. Did you see any significant improvement with the Dodgers? Well, obviously, Michael, they always have the personnel. The Freddie Freeman signing is going to be huge for them. Um, Mookie Betts is still settling in there and he's now his third season with the Dodgers. Um, I mean, Kershaw, I think Kershaw's on the back nine, you know, the whole thing with Trevor Bauer, total chump. He hasn't pitched. He's still on the, you know, the major league baseball, the anti list. He can't play. So it's going to be Walker Bueller's rotation to, to try to navigate through. They let Max Schertz go to the Mets. I think the Dodgers will be there. I think they're going to be tough, but I think, I think you asked me last week for a surprise team. I mentioned the San Diego Padres. I shouldn't say surprise. I think they've been a disappointment the last couple of years. I think this is the year that maybe they finally live up to it, and they may give the Dodgers a lot of problems in that division. And let's not forget Gabe Kapler's San Francisco Giants. That division's going to be loaded. Um, you know, of course, you and of course you still got the Arizona Diamondbacks near the bottom with the Colorado Rockies. That's a very very competitive division. But I still think the Dodgers are you know are the cream of the crop. Solid, solid take. That is a wrap with the MLB. You are listening to the Sports Chumps, episode 43 on 88.1 FM WELH Providence. You can check out all of our podcasts up on our website. Our website is thesportschumps.com. Just click on the Spotify link and every episode will be up there. You can also check us out on iHeartMedia. Just go to iHeartMedia and search the Sports Chumps. All of our episodes will be up on there. You can email Mike and Dean with any questions, concerns, or comments at thesportschumps at gmail. Com. Uh, just a quick, quick statement. I want to give a, uh, a big shout out to the Gilbert Gottfried family. He passed away today. I, I don't know if you know who, I'm sure you know who he is. Uh, he's a legendary comedian. Uh, our hearts are with the Gilbert Gottfried family and we uh, hope they make it through this terrible time. Also, the New Jersey Nets, they donated $50,000 to the subway shooting victims in New York. I don't know if you heard about that dream. Uh, there was a shooting down in the subway in New York. Uh, I believe it was maybe in the train station or the subway. Someone opened fire, which the world is a, it's a sick, sick place. So oh. let's, hope, let's hope those, no one, no one got, uh, no one got uh, killed, which is good. But there was a couple of uh, injuries. So the New Jersey Nets stepped up. No, great, great job on their part, Michael. They're up 40 to 20 on Cleveland. So you can almost book it as we, as you and I get into the NBA in a few minutes. It looks like it's going to be Celtics and Nets on Sunday at, at the Garden, game one of the uh, opening round of the playoffs. Hey, Michael, um, when you talked about Gilbert Godfrey, I, I know he was a legendary comedian, had some parts in some movies. I think he was in uh, 
Ford feeling with ice with Andrew Dice Clay. Yep. But I remember I remember him in one scene of um, Beverly Hills Cop Two, where he's in the office and 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 Murphy comes in and tries to like kind of bribe him, and he's talking about these tickets that he really doesn't have, and he's trying to bribe him with a with like a couple of hundred bucks, and he's looking. At, it's just funny, and he's got that annoying voice, but he was a classic classic legend. And I want to talk about another comedic actress who passed away last week, and I didn't get a chance to allude to it, but um. Mrs. Costanza, Estelle Harris, who played George Costanza's mother, Estelle Costanza, Frank and Estelle, of course, Jerry Stiller passed away last year, but now it's um, Estelle Harris at the age of 93. She passes away. She had a great life. She's a legend for being on, on Seinfeld. We still can see it all in the, in the simulcast and all the reruns. Uh, it, it just, it's, you know, just, you just think of her. You think, of, I think of my family. I think like Larry's George and uh, whatever we go there. Yeah. And my mother's, my mother's Estelle. You try to like, label them with the particular people but um Estelle and of course Gilbert Gottfried at the age of 67 obviously a little bit before his time he did battle a long illness but uh our hearts go out and our hearts and prayers go out to both families were you a big fan of uh, everyone loves Raymond no I was not well I, I shouldn't say that because I never really gave it a chance yeah. and I accidentally watched it a couple of times being in the company of others that were watching it and I'm just I don't I don't see the I don't see Ray Romano, I just don't see the, the, the funniness. Maybe it just doesn't click with me. I don't know why. How about you? That's, yeah, that's my family. That's just a crazy show. Well, but see, now, I, I, now if you ask me, all right, Mikey Nails, you can't see it here because we're not on Facebook Live and I'd be still flexing. <laughs> Early to mid-innings here on the Chumps, episode 43. Michael, I'm a big, big Brad Garrett fan, though. Oh, I like the brother. Yeah, I, that's he played a great – He played a great um, – Jackie Gleason? Yeah. That's So, listen – I have all the Honeymooners box sets. You don't know much. I mean, you know how I like, I have some, some things, but one of my favorite, favorite shows of all time is yeah. the Honeymooners. People think yeah, I'm people, nuts. It's people don't really, it's old, we're old school, but people don't really, they don't resonate with that. The generation now, they, they've maybe even heard of the Honeymooners. And, you know, they've heard of like, oh yeah. Um, who's the heavy set guy, the uh, comedian? Ralph Cranston. No, no. Who's the guy that he plays it in the remake? He's a, he's got his own show now. He's a Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, that's yeah. He plays him in the remake. I mean, what are we doing over here? I mean, come on. Get I, I mean, our our uh, our county guy's the best. The legend. The best. That listen. That show. Oh. I tell you, talk about low rent. You got a little little hot. They live in this little. They yeah. live in a show, and Cramden's always got a, a, a hair brain scheme to make a million. But a uh, great show. They didn't make that many episodes, so you can't have a big box set on that. No, I got totally one box set. What's it like five seasons, right? They didn't yeah, do yeah. any years. Yeah. yeah, great, great. Well, great one of my show. favorite shows, and we'll move on to the NBA's Welcome Back, Carter. All right, Nails alluding to Gabe Kaplan, who just celebrated a birthday last week. I just saw, I think he's 75 or 77. He was in the movie, a basketball movie, The Fish That Stole Pittsburgh or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know, or, res or rescued. Dr. Pittsburgh. J was in that. Yeah, Dr. J yeah. was in it. Was it Fish That Saved Pittsburgh? I don't know. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Solid. Yeah. Big game Kevin, guys. The sweat and, of course, and of course, Neil, people forget that that's where the legendary John Travolta got his start. Yeah. You know, Vinny Barbarino. I mean, come on. Great, great show. Welcome back, Hardy. George Puerto Rican was my favorite. Who? Juan Epstein? Best. Okay. All right. How about Arnold Horshack? Well, uh, Freddie Boom Boom. Do you know Freddie Boom Boom? I forget his name in real life, but you know he ended up playing in one of the uh, one of the TV made movies. He ended up playing the Jackson's father in one of the movies um, as 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 the dad who was kind of hardcore. My third favorite show of all time. And then we're going to end it at this. Third favorite uh, show of all time. Well, mm -hmm. actually, I got that backwards. My it goes it goes Taxi, Honeymoon is. Welcome back, Carter, the White Shadow. All right. Listen, you know me. It's Cheers, Taxi, and Seinfeld in any order. It's those three. White Shadow wasn't really a comedy, even though I had a comedic Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, it wasn't. Right, but, but that's another – that would be another you're, – you're broadening the topic because I'm thinking we're talking about comedies right here, so I can't throw White Shadow in there, but it would be in my top ten shows of all time, probably. But we'd have to do a top ten shows top 10, you know, comedic shows. It's a whole different thing. But of course, you like Salami playing the two god with the headband. Who, by the way, Tim is named Tim Van Patten. Yes, I know. The Sopranos. Solid. Yeah. Solid. It doesn't yeah. get any better than that. And yeah. I think his dad, I think his dad is from the show Eight is Enough. We're jumping all around here on the Chucks, wow. episode wow. 43, because we can. Was it Tim Van Patten? That's a father's yeah. name? 
Yeah. No, Tim Van Patten was salami. His father was um, Dick Van Patten. Dick Van Patten. Like, yeah. I have a, I have a piece of vinyl with Dick Van Patten on it. He made a record. The father? Yeah. A Todd Gore. Uh, all right, let's move on. NBA. Oh, wow. Celtics Nets. I was watching ESPN this morning, and, and there was a lot of talk about the Nets, and if they win, if they lose, and the, the, the seed and all this stuff. They, they kind of lost me a little bit because I was trying to finagle some stuff. Here's the thing that they were saying is that the Nets are very dangerous because they can squaw and they can over they can they can beat any team with their squaring. Which where were they all yet? I mean they were yeah. there, but they weren't like that. No. No, the but defense they're, awful. They're, the defense they're, is awful. They're, they're, you're, gonna put, yeah. you're gonna put buckets in to win the game. I understand that, but you also have to make stops. Well, that's the whole thing. And like, say for baseball, Michael, like, oh, you know, the Yankees, oh, they score 10 runs a game. Yeah, but when you get to the playoffs, it comes down to pitching. You're not going to win 10 to 9. You have to pitch. So just like you just said with the, with the Nets, yeah, they can score a buck 20, but you have to get stops on the defensive end. And until I see Ben Simmons in a uniform, to, because he can guard five positions, the Nets can't stop anybody. They when is that going to happen? When is Ben Simmons going to suit up? They, they keep showing him like in civvies and then he's practicing, but they just, they just don't know. They're saying maybe he could, if they win this playing game on Tuesday night, that he could come back for, in the middle of, of round one, which would be against the Celtics. And he's definitely one of the best on ball defenders in the NBA. I just don't know where his head's at. I don't know where his he, head's but, is like. but he's not going to just come on the court and just start. He, there's no way he's in. He hasn't played in a year. He hasn't played in a game. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You think he's in, you think you, listen, there's shape. There's B, there's G League shape. We saw the G League. It looked like they were playing at Rick Gymnasium. Off. Okay. And then you have the NBA shape. He's not even in, he's not even in shape. Yeah, Michael. And the funny thing is to mention a couple of guys that came over with Simmons in that deal for James Harden was Steph, um, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Drummond's been playing well as a backup center. Actually, he's been starting. He's been playing a lot. Seth Curry said the other night, he goes, I'm, I'm banged up. He goes, I'm not going to be healthy for another month. Well, I'm sorry, the playoffs start tonight, so you're not going to get a chance to get healthy because you're going to have to play through it. So yeah, stop it up and play. Stop it up and play. Stop being a pansy. Yeah, we don't, want, we, don't want, we don't want the excuse before the game's even played. You're banged up, you're playing. Your brother's got rings all over his fingers. Play the game. Stop it now. Drummond, I, I never liked that kid Drummond. He's, 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 he's a huge, giant guy. Yeah. He doesn't do anything for me. Well, he doesn't fit into the new the new age center, the guys that step out and shoot the jump shot. But for a while, when he was on those bad teams in Detroit, he'd get 14, 15 rebounds a game, albeit on a bad team. But uh, Drummond's, Drummond's time in the NBA, eh, I think, again, he's on the back swing. He's sort of a role player now. But I think he could fit a role for them because he can defend the rim a little bit. And right now, the Nets just can't stop anybody. Blake Griffin's getting splinters right now on the end of the bench. Okay, DNP's coach's decision left and right by Steve Nash. I don't know if they got enough, but I mean, if, if, you know, let's get back to this whole Celtic thing. You know, a lot of people, Michael, were talking about that all the Celtics, they shouldn't have beat the Memphis Grizzlies on the last night of the season. If they take that game, they get a three seed, they get to play the Bulls. Stop it now. They played a basketball game. If they had take that game, the media would have been all over them saying they're afraid to play the Nets. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree. The problem is that people don't know the Celtics. The Celtics don't do things like that. They weren't bred to do things like that. They're not going to yeah. do it. They never will. They're not going to lay down for anybody. And, and, and you and I, obviously, it's the first season, but you and I don't know much about Emmy Udoka, but it looks like he's finally put his stamp on the team. And just looking at him, he looks focused. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to say on the last day of the season, let's lay down, boys. He no. played all his he played all his starters in that game. Jason Tatum had 31 at the break. He didn't even have to play in the second half. The, the Grizzlies, they rested Jai Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, they didn't play anybody in that game. Steven Adams didn't play. So what are the Celtics supposed to do? Match them with, with, with playing the bench guys? No, you go out and you win 139 to 112. You lay the wood. That's your job. Now, if it, if it lands you, play in Brooklyn right off the bat? Well, obviously, the Celtics are 51 and 31, the number two seed. It's it 33 and 10 in their last 43 games after an 18 and 21 start. Emmy Udoka, coach of the month, two straight months, the last two months of the season. He finally has his stamp on this club. And I believe right now they feel like with or without Rob Williams, they can beat anybody right now. Uh, and I agree with that. I don't think Williams coming back is going to make a difference because he's not going to be playing to his potential. He could actually hurt the team. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. I told you the way he plays, running, jumping, blocking shots, I don't see his knee being 100% where he can do what he does. 
you talk about Jokic with the bad feet, but he kind of looks like he's slow and methodical. But there's a guy who looks like he can kind of just kind of, uh, it looks like he's slow, but he gets the job done. Williams is the guy that he relies on his athleticism. If he's got a, if he's got a bum wheel, he's not going to be effective. And like you said, could in turn hurt the team more than help the team. The bad news, I think the bad news right now for all of the NBA is uh, Steph Curry uh, could possibly be returning to the Warriors this week. Yeah, that's bad news for the Western Conference. And after that injury, where, of course, Marcus Smart playing the game clean, it just was something that happened. But um, looks like he's been practicing. He's looking to get back really soon, Michael. But if you swing it over to the Dallas Mavericks, it starts and ends with Luka Doncic. And it looks like Doncic is hurt right now with a calf strain, which he suffered on the last day of the season. And they're not playing any slouch in the first round. They're playing Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, the spider. In, in round one in the Utah Jazz. So they're going to have their hands full. If Luka's not at 100%, you can just mail that series in Dallas has no chance. I still think the East, I think the top teams in the East is Milwaukee and Boston. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I'm, I, I have to turn back and, and remember that I said about six weeks ago, you asked me this question, and I was on the, uh, you know, when, when they made that trade, I was on the Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden bandwagon. Harden looks like he's lost the step. I thought he would do well. And then I know he'd have to prove it in the playoffs, but he hasn't even looked good in the regular season with Philadelphia. He looks like slow and he looks like he's just lost a step. And Embiid, of course, wins the uh, scoring ch- title on the last day of the season. And it looks like he might get his first MVP. If he doesn't get it this year, he probably never will. But um, you think he's going to get another track by Philly pick? You th- I didn't mean to interrupt. You think he's going to get it? Or the Greek freak? Who do you think is going to get it? Well, there's the, the candidates are Embiid. The freak and um and Jokic is, is the joke is in on it again. So I think Embiid finally bags his first one. I think he does get it this year because he's he's played well. He stayed healthy and he has had Philly in the hunt. I believe they're the let's see they're no they're a four seed. I usually like to see the MVP go to somebody who's a little bit higher in the standings. But I mean let's face it, from Miami all the way down, these teams are all within four or five games of each other. So you know again I can't say well if he has a good postseason I give it to him. Because it's based on the 82-game season, not the postseason. So I'm going to say that Embiid gets it, even though, of course, it could go to the free call. So, or, or Jokic. Jokic won it last year. So we'll I, got, I got Milwaukee winning it all, even though I want the Celtics to be there. I just, I just don't see them making it. It's, it's, it's very hard. They don't have the depth. Yeah. You know, Michael, another thing that, you know, a lot of people have been talking about was, was um, so now the, the Sixers, they draw Toronto in the first round. It seems like that's not a good matchup of Philadelphia and Doc Rivers. They've had trouble with Toronto before. And I'm just going to throw another thing. You're going to probably throw your hands up in the air. But their best defensive player is the kid M- Matisse Thibel. He's like one of their swing guys, one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA. He can't play in the games that are in Toronto because he's not fully vaccinated. So there's another issue. Well, there's another reason why they were hoping that the Celtics wouldn't have to play Toronto because now we find out who's not vaccinated on the Celtics. And I believe it's just my gut tells me that Jalen Brown's the guy that wouldn't be able to play. So I don't know if, you know, if they knew they were playing Toronto or let me go get the shot next week. I don't know how that's all going to play out. I'm going to believe that if a guy hasn't got a shot by now, he's not going to take a shot at any point. That's what I got to believe. So because Toronto has those mandates and those vaccination rules, obviously, um, you know, Thibault's not going to be able to play in the, in the middle games. I guess games, uh, I guess games three and four, he won't be able to play because they're going to be in Toronto. So Kyrie Irving, he's he's allowed to play now. What's the story with him? Kyrie, Kyrie's cleared because we, uh, Brooklyn, New Jersey. Well, you, you said New Jersey earlier. Obviously, they're Brooklyn now, but they still play in. They they raised the uh, they've lifted the mandate. So Kyrie, the whole thing was done. Even though we don't believe Kyrie should be able to play anyways for a lot of other reasons, but um, Kyrie is able to play and he's playing in this game tonight at home versus uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and um, it's 50-37. to 37. The Brooklyn Nets are rolling over uh, over the Cavs. Well, who do you got winning? Who do you got winning? You got, I, got you have a pick? Winning, I got Brooklyn winning the game, and the aforementioned Kyrie Irving, as you just said, 16 points in the first half on 7 of 7 shooting. So he is he is rising up in the big game, even though it's a play-in game. I, I just, I, I'll be honest with you, Michael. These teams I can live with because they're at least around 500. Some of these teams in the Western Conference, they're not even 500. They're in, there's a playoff playing game tonight, Pelicans versus Spurs. These teams are like 33 and 46. I, I don't even know what their records are awful. You don't belong in. All right, Magic, I mean, what's the name? LeBron, your team stunk this year. Go home. They went home. And by the way, another note, Michael, want to throw it in. As I just mentioned, um, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, they fired Frank Vogel one day after the season. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
The big Kevin. talk right now is LeBron is very he's very he's very focused on Mark Jackson coming to the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh as wow. coach. I, okay, yeah. And, well, so I'm just gonna tell you right now, I am a huge Mark Jackson fan. I loved him as a player, I like him as a coach. I thought he kind of got that Golden State team ready for Steve Kerr. I don't know why they got rid of him, but obviously Kerr's done a great job also. Um, I haven't heard that one. I was hearing um, Toronto coach Nick Nurse, who won, an, who won an NBA title a few years ago. I heard that they're going to court him. I've heard Doc Rivers being mentioned again, even though he was with the Clippers. I know, it gets these guys. One, how many teams can you coach? Um, so there's definitely a lot of guys that they're talking about right now. And um, don't forget a couple of guys that may be in the front office I know he doesn't have the personality maybe for L.A., but maybe a Brad Stevens who's running the front office for the Celtics. There's a lot of names that you still may hear being uh, being thrown out there. As I just watched Kyrie bang another jump shot from the corner. I think he's got almost 20 at the half. So he's obviously stepping up on the big stage. Um, I don't know. So obviously that, that's a personality job. You've got to deal with LeBron, number one, if he stays. you still got Westbrook there. They're going to try to move that contract, even though he makes 47 mil, I think, next year. I so think that, that was a mess. I, I, I think the people that take him to the promised land, though, is either going to be Mark Jackson or Doc Rivers has been there. Yeah. He knows what to do. And he, and he has more talent. Well, see, that's a tough thing to say. I, I'm going to take that back. When he had the talent in Boston, they were younger. Now he has the talent, but they're older. It's, right, but when he had when he had the younger talent in Boston, he had Paul Pierce, and they clashed. They didn't get along. They, no. took, they took Danny Ainge going out to get – Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett that were starting to get up there in their career and needed the ring, and they put it all together. Doc did mesh those personalities together well. He did it with the Clippers, but outside of his time in Boston, he really never could get a team over the hump. Those teams with the Clippers, he had CP3, Blake Griffin. They were lobbing to DeAndre Jordan. They had J.J. Reddick shooting the three. That team couldn't win a title. So Doc's come up short a few times also. Yeah, but I just think that people – they don't have the youth, the Lakers. They don't have the youth anymore. Well, and the funny thing is, their younger piece, the youngest piece they have on the team, has turned out to be a, he's turned out to be soft, which is Anthony Davis. He's yeah. always hurt. I don't even he's when I think of Anthony Davis, I don't even think of him on the Lakers. He's, he's, I know on, on paper, Michael, I thought of him as one of the top five players in the NBA for a while. I yeah. did, but you know, you got to play. You 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 forgot about him because he never plays. Yeah, he's always hurt. You know, I don't want a guy that doesn't that plays 30, 40 games a year and makes 30 million. I don't I don't need that. But so I don't know if that's a, even a job that Mark Jackson would want. But it's great you brought him up because I'm a big Jackson fan. And I think that would be a nice hire for the Lakers. I had not heard that name yet, but it's going to be interesting. Anything else with the NBA? No, just, you know, again, for the league's sake, I hope Curry gets back healthy. I hope Luca gets back healthy. We need those guys to play in the postseason. And um, I just can't go. I can't. I don't care what Brooklyn does against Cleveland tonight. I got to pick the Celtics to at least win that first round matchup. And then, of course, we'll, 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 you know, we do episode 44 next week. We're going to be right in the heart of that series because it doesn't begin until Sunday on Easter Sunday at TD Bank North Garden um, with Celtics. And it looks like the Brooklyn Nets are going to go at it in game one. So it's, you know, it's time for it's time for Tatum and Brown to do their thing that they've been doing the last 43 games where they won 33 out of 43. They've been lights out the last two months. And, um, Tatum averaged 27 for the season. Brown averaged about 23 and a half. I love where this team's going. I like what the role players are doing with Grant Williams, um, Peyton Pritchard off the bench. I like the, the pieces on the team. And of course, if the time Lord comes back in round two, if we can get through Brooklyn, I think the sky is the limit on what the Celtics can do. And uh, of course, they're going to probably have to go through your bucks at some point. Solid, solid. That's a wrap for the NBA. You are listening to the Sports Chumps episode 43. On 88.1 FM, W-E-L-H, Providence. You can check out all of our podcasts. They are up on our website. Our website is thesportstrumps.com. You can email Mike and Dean with any questions, concerns, or comments at thesportstrumps at gmail.com. You can click on all of our social media links. Friend requests us. We will accept you. That is also up on our website. You can also go to iHeartMedia and just search the Sports Trumps. All of our podcasts are up there also. Moving on. NHL, NHL, Boston Bruins, making it happen. Yeah. Boston yeah. Bruins are making it happen. Solid, yeah, solid, solid couple of games. Haven't yeah, really no, they've been, playing, they've been playing well, Michael. They're 7-2 seven, two, seven, two and 1 in their last 10 games. 
They sit at 95 points right now with 10 games to go. Um, right now, the, really, I'm, my only concern with this team right now is just getting healthy, Mike. You know, they've got a, David Pasternak's been out. So they're playing the Blues. They're up 2-1 to one in the second period. Yep. They're playing against, playing against a great uh, St. Louis Blues team, and they're shorthanded without Pasternak. The kid Lindholm, the defenseman, they just picked up uh, from Anaheim. And, of course, Matt Grizzlick's hurt also. So they got three major guys out, and they're still up 2-1. to one. Um, Right now, I just, I just, I'm not worried about wins and losses. They're, they're in the wild card slot. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to get 100 points. I think it's a great season for the Bruins. But right now, I'm thinking postseason. They need to get healthy. And I think one other thing that, if I had to hmm, worry about anything on this roster or worry about any concern I have is, is what, um, is what Bruce Cassidy's going to do with the goaltending position because you know I'm a big Jeremy Swayman guy. He's 20 and 10 on the season. But right now, the, the guy Olmark, who came over from Buffalo in the offseason, four year deal. He's been hot lately, and Swayman's been off. So right now, I'm just not sure which direction they're going to go with the goalies. I'm going to tell you one thing I don't like, Michael. I'm not a proponent of, of splitting it up. You ride the hot goalie, and you go with that guy. If one guy has to sit and, and just be a cheerleader, then I'm sorry. Whichever guy that ends up being, I, I got to live with that, even though I'm a Swayman guy. You got to play the hot hand. You ride it to the wheels fall off. I, I really believe that. I believe I've seen many teams in, in the past, Michael, in my years of, of following hockey, I've seen many teams, they ride the hot goalie. You have a hot goalie, you've got a chance to win a Stanley Cup. Um, I remember that Jim Carrey, not the actor. I remember with Washington way back in the day, I don't know if they won the Cup, but he rolled them all the way to the Cup as a rookie goalie. So I've seen it before. Tim Thomas, the year with the Bruins, even though he was their guy anyways, um, they had Tuka waiting in the wings at that time. But um, yeah, I think you're going to go with the hot goalie. But I, you know, Bruins right now are getting contributions from everybody. Jake, Jake DeBrusque. They had that hot month, and then he slowed down a little bit, cooled off. Now he's getting he's skating again. He's getting hot. So obviously, you know they got a lot going for them. Taylor Hall's been playing well, but they're, they're getting contributions from everybody with some of the injuries they have. So it's really been a team effort, and I and I I really like this team going into the postseason. I just would like to see them clean up the goalie situation and maybe settle on one guy. Yeah, you got Florida. You got Boston in fourth place in the Atlantic Division. They got ninety five points, and Florida is in the first in first place for 108 points. You're saying that the Bruins are going to get to 100 and they're going to make the uh, playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about their postseason positioning. I'm just, I believe in hockey. I've told you this before. I've seen seasons where the Bruins were the one seed. Montreal was the eight seed and the Bruins bit it. So I'm just saying, just get in, be healthy. Don't worry about home ice. You can win a game on the road. Bruins had game seven three years ago at home against the Blues and they lost in the NHL finals, in the Stanley Cup finals. So I'm not worried about getting home ice. I want my team to be healthy and clicking at the right time. And I believe with 10 games to go, we're going to figure out a lot about this team. They got to get Lindholm back because he's the, he's the big acquisition. He's the blue line guy that they paid and they acquired from Anaheim. They really need him back. That knee is starting to heal. He's getting better. So hopefully the Bruins are going to be all right going into the postseason. You know and I know that when any playoffs hit in any kind of sports, it's a new season. It's all about who wants the win more and who's in shape. That's when, that's when, that's when the off season comes in and what you did in the off season. Exactly. Michael. Especially that sport. You know, I mean, those guys skate for 80 games. That's, it's taxing. You know, if you got you, if you're in shape and you do the work in the off season, as you said, usually you'll find out if it pays off. And as we say, the, now I'll call them the dog days of spring here because we're getting into the spring season. And I really think that this Bruins team has enough to make a deep run into the playoffs. Cause some of these guys with Bergeron and Marshan. And some of these guys are getting a little long in the tooth. I don't know how many runs they have left in them. It's a wrap with the NHL. Moving on, we'll do a little Masters golf talk. Absolutely. Tiger Woods, your boy. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you don't usually see people brag or talk too much about a guy who finishes 42nd on the leaderboard. But this is what happened in Augusta, Georgia over the weekend as Tiger Woods, at 14 months after that horrific car accident where he almost lost his leg and his life, he comes out and, you know, was solid. I mean, he, you know, he had a minus one the first day. He had a couple of good rounds. He had a 78, finished with a 78 on Sunday. But the guy finishes 42nd, Michael, I think it's just amazing that he was able to, to last for 72 holes. And I think it's an accomplishment and a wonderful comeback. And now he's starting to get a little hop in his step as he's already talking about playing in the U.S. Open and in the tournaments that are, that are you know, going to follow with the majors coming up. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I think he brings a lot to the game. And he definitely gets my, you know, my juices flowing to actually watch golf when I know he's involved. Solid, solid. Uh, the winner of the Masters was Scotty Scheffler? Yep, you got it. Scotty Scheffler. Um, he had a minus 10. 
He's 25 years old. He wins the 86 Masters. And obviously, uh, his first green jacket, not only his first green jacket, but it's his first major. He's never won a major before. So at uh, 25 years of age, Scotty Scheffler wins the 86 Masters. And I just want to make one note. Rory McIlroy finishes um, in second place at minus seven, Michael. But he had to come a long way just to finish second in this. He was eight under, and he tied the record for the best round in the Masters history. When a, he tied the record for uh, a 64 on Sunday. So he lit it up just to get to a point where he could finish second. Of course, he placed and won a lot of money there. So, um, But it, it, this is all about Scotty Scheffler winning the, his first green jacket. And, of course, let's not forget about Tiger Woods just to be out there. Did look a little gassed at the end of it, kind of limping off. But um, I don't think this is like Willie Mays with the Giants at the age of 43. I think Tiger's still got a little something left in the tank, and I think he's going to get better. I still think he has a chance with what, 15 majors. I think he's got a chance to win another major. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with him. Solid. Solid. Yeah. little green jacket talk, little masters talk. Yeah. You know, for the, for the Nate Travises of the world. That Nick Trav. Is it, oh, no. Nate Trav. We got you, Nate Trav. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's always saying more golf, more golf. I'm trying to step, I'm trying to step, my, step our game up here on the chunks. Okay. Up to you. Uh, we're on to one of our favorite topics. Chump of... The week, it's yeah, the most, it's the most hated quarterback, probably in New England Patriot history. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you almost want to see. I always, I look at that season, that COVID year, Michael, with no fans. I throw that year out. So in my eyes, I almost, I know you can't. He still counts. It's in the record books. I almost want to pretend Cam Newton was never a Patriot because to me, he was never a Patriot, anyways, was he? He didn't fit. He wasn't a fit there. That was the bridge year. He was a replacement. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, yeah, he should have been. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take, um, I'll take Shane Falco over, over Cam Newton. How's that? Not because he was left-handed either. But no, obviously, we, 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 we give Chump of the week, and I don't want to give too much time to this because I got other topics to get to. But I, I, um, I give Chump of the week to, um, to Cam Newton for the fact that I guess in 2017 he was, um, quoted as saying something negative about women. And what they should be, I guess, something like stay in the kitchen, do your job, cook the food, something like that. And I guess on a podcast recently, he echoed those same sentiments. And I guess he got a little flack for it. And I just think that that's, you know, just poor on his part to talk like that about women at all. If you, if you feel that way, you know, I, I have no problem with people expressing themselves. But you take it to that level. I think that's something you kind of put in your back pocket. You just keep your mouth closed on that one. Cam Newton's just looking for he's – look, he's looking to be relevant. He doesn't really have uh, an identity anymore. The only identity he has is his, his hat and his clothes. And, you know, other than that, he, who, when you think of Cam Newton right now, what do you think of? I think of a guy like – I think you just said I, – I think you just said it all. He's a guy that's not relevant anymore. It's like he can't play the game. So now he's looking to overcompensate with podcasts and hats and whatever. I don't care how he dresses. He can't play the game anymore. He's checked out. He went back to Carolina. They gave him another shot. He was 0-5 as a starter. The Patriots didn't even re-sign him. They went with a rookie quarterback over him. You know, and usually the rookie quarterback sits for a year. So you, you do the math. I don't think the guy can play anymore. And obviously, the Carolina, for some reason, is still thinking about giving him another shot this year. I just don't I don't get that. But as of right now, he is a free agent, and he is out there for, for somebody to pick up. And um, I wouldn't take the PR hit, or I wouldn't, want him, I wouldn't want him for talent reasons, or I wouldn't want to take the PR hit in the locker room either. I take Kaepernick over Cam Newton right now. No, I don't know if that was true. The Kaepernick signed with Seattle or something. I saw something. I don't know if he's back. I and mean, it's been five years. I don't know if it's one of those things I saw on Facebook where it's like not real and it was some some site that kind of gives you fake stuff. But I thought I heard that Kaepernick signed with Seattle. Seattle's a mess after trading Russell Wilson. They don't know what they're doing. Um, one casualty, Michael. I, I just want to. You know, we talked about this earlier with a couple of. Uh, Debts that we, you know, had to let our sports chumps uh, listeners know about. But um, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins passed away on Saturday. 24 years old, unfortunately, was hit by a truck on the highway. And oh. I don't know the specifics of it, but unfortunately, Haskins passes away. Everybody knows about him in 2019. He was a great quarterback at Ohio State. 50 touchdowns, all nine yards. It didn't work out with the Washington Redskins. Now the commander's. They let him go. He got picked up by the Steelers, was going to get a chance to be the starter the other year. And um, he passed away on Saturday. So our, our hearts and thoughts go out to the Haskins family. He passes away way, way too young at the age of 24. Sad. Uh, hearts out to them. Hopefully yeah. they get through this trying time. 
Yeah. That's a tough sad, one. Sad thing. That's a tough one. Yeah. But the sports go, unfortunately, the sports go on. We have to keep, we have to keep trucking along with the topics, my friend. Absolutely. Up next, this day in sports history, Dean the Dream, your favorite topic. All right. So April 14th, Michael, 1955, um, a 26-year-old catcher named Elston Howard. He becomes the first African-American to play for the New York Yankees. I, you know, I didn't know that he was the first, first black player to play for the Yankees, Michael, because I, you know, you know, Jackie Robinson in 47, to think that he, the Yankees waited till 55 to integrate, you know, this thing, obviously the Jackie Robinson thing was huge, but it still took a while for some of these teams to pull the trigger on an African-American player. And um, of course, Elson Howard was a great player for the Yankees for years, a great catcher. He had, in his major league debut, he got a single and an RBI and an 8-4 loss to the Boston Red Sox. And ironically, Michael, years later, it just never really looked mm -hmm. right, but he actually was a key contributor for the Boston Red Sox as the Yankees traded uh, a rare trade because the teams never really trade with each other. But he was traded to the Boston Red Sox in late in August of 1967. And of course, he ended up being part of the impossible dream. That was the Collier Shremsky uh, triple crown season when the Red Sox were supposed to finish last and made it to game seven of the World Series. So Elston Howard on this day, April 14th, 1955, becomes the first African-American player to play for the New York Yankees. Wow, look at you, a Boston Red Sox fan going after the Yankee guy. Solid. That's respect. Well, you know, you got to give respect it back. Like, like I said, I always felt like he never really fit in Boston. Maybe he didn't want to be there, but was traded. Back then, I don't think he had no trade clauses, so he went where he was told to go. And I think he retired right after that and didn't play much more. So his stint with the Red Sox was uh, was brief, to say the least. Up next, Wheeler Warrior Spotlight, brought to you by Dean, the Dream. Yeah, Michael, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the losses out uh, quick because uh, there's only a couple. It's a really good week for the Wheeler sports all the way around. Um, a couple of losses to start. The girls softball varsity they lost 11 nothing to Portsmouth Abbey. But that Portsmouth Abbey team is loaded. They had a lot of talent, so nothing to be ashamed of there. 11-0, they did lose. Um, and, of course, the Varsity Boys Lacrosse, they lost 10-5 to to uh, Rocky Hill Country Day. So those are the two teams on the on the uh, the losing end. But the rest is really good news here, Michael. You've got um, on April 5th, the uh, Varsity Boys uh, baseball team, they won 12-5 to over Rogers, and they followed that up three days later by, uh, by beating um, – Rogers again on seven to two. So a couple of wins for the varsity baseball team. Um, uh, girls varsity lacrosse on April 2nd, a 13-4 win over Portsmouth Abbey. And um, the boys tennis team, they beat the Hendrickson Hawks. Wow. Seven, seven to nothing on April 7th. So good news here. Baseball team's doing well. Everything looks great. So, you know, hats off to, uh, you know, the Wheeler, the Wheeler School getting it done in the classroom and on the field. Um, Michael, I just want to make an, another uh, local note here. Stephanie Carl, who, of course, we mentioned during the winter, yes. head coach of the, girl, of the girls' basketball team, I want to mention that her nephew, Joey Caro, he uh, plays uh, – he's an outfielder for Rhode Island College, a senior outfielder. They played a doubleheader over the weekend. They beat Castleton 29-2 to in the doubleheader, so they totally laid the wood to this team. They're strong. They're hitting – Joey Caro hit three homers in the doubleheader. So Stephanie Coral's nephew getting it done, three home runs. Her father, Dom Coral, was my coach down in the Sunset League back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So a lot of history there. Her, her um, uncle, Jerry Coral, was my catcher in college at Rhode Island College. So there's Coral's all over the place. A lot of, lot of history here, Michael. And um, it also, it's funny because this also ties into um, to, um, a major league play. I know I mentioned this last week, Mike, about my local flavor of the week. And I know last week we talked about Olivia Conti. Mm -hmm. Well, this week, this week I'm talking about a major leaguer, and I'm going to pose a question to you after I tell you who it is. Um, his name is Jeremy Pena. He is the starting shortstop for the Houston Astros. And let me tell you something, Michael. This is no, this is no, uh, this is not anything that you want to ignore here because this is a kid who's going to take the place of Carlos Correa. Remember last year he was looking at his watch as he was hitting bombs against the Sox. Correa takes the three-year, $105 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. And that's a big void left at shortstop. He's going to be the double play com combination with Jose Altuve. I asked you, I talked to you about Jeremy Pena and I bring him up because he is 24 years old and he did, um, he was born in the Dominican Republic, but he moved 
to Providence at the age of nine, went to classical, um, was drafted in the major leagues, decided not to, not to sign, ended up going to the University of Maine, was redrafted by the Astros in the third round of the, ninth, of the 2018 draft. So obviously it's a great story. And I guess the other night in his uh, first game in the major leagues, they were interviewing his parents who were in the stands to see his major league debut. And wow. while they were in, while they were interviewing his parents, he went bridge and hit a home run while they were interviewing. The oh, I saw that there was a video of that. Yeah. So, so you probably want to realize that Jeremy Pena is a local boy and played at classical. My question to you, Michael, is do we consider him a local kid just because he wasn't born here? Or is it, all right, he moved here at nine. He's one of us. I'm just saying he's a, you know, he's an American now he's in the country. What, how, how would you view him? Is is he one of us? Because he, he wasn't born here. Doesn't matter. He lived in he lived in, he was in Providence for a, since he since was, he was nine. nine. He's twenty four, so fifteen yeah. years. Nah, yeah, he's considered he he's from here. I mean, he's yeah. not a Davy Lopes. Remember Davy Lopes? Yeah, Davy Lopes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You're, not, you're not gonna. I mean, he's so young. Is he from Rhode Island? Was he born in Rhode Island? No. Is he? Did he move here and he went to high school here? Yes. So you got to go with that. That's just I think it's me. I think it's still a great story for the area. Of course, you got classical high school. He played in baseball there. You know, he was one of the best players in the state. Of course, PC's David Duke played at classical before he went the prep school level, prep school route. So it's nice to see the local, you know, local guys, whether they were born here or not, they still played at the school. They represented Rhode Island. That's the bottom right. line. Right. So so right. Jeremy Pena, Jeremy Pena, as of right now, looks like he's gonna be the starting shortstop of the Astros. I don't know if that's going to be his role all year, but I guess he's going to get a chance to be the guy over there. And I can't can't really complain about his starting off with a bomb in his first game while his parents were being interviewed. So I I think that's great stuff all the way around. Solid. It's a good. It's an awesome awesome feeling. It's got to be. The parents were going nuts. I mean, come on, you're getting interviewed by a by a yeah. How's your son? His first game. How do you feel? All of a sudden, you have a crack on the bat and he goes bridge. I mean, of course, like I said. They're taking Carlos Correa's place. He was the number one pick in the draft in 2012. So you're you're not just replacing anybody. Carlos Correa, he's a postseason stud. And I don't want to say a legend, but a potential Hall of Fame player if he can stay healthy. So it's not easy. It's sort of like the whole uh, Didi Gregorius replacing Derek Jeter at shortstop. It's not an easy thing to do. No, you got big big shoes to fill. Yeah, definitely. All right, you you got about 30 seconds left. Winning time. You weren't too happy with the last winning time. No, I thought it was a little weak. It's sort of like I told you about the guy, Jack McKinney, he falls over the handlebars of his bike. He never coaches again. You've got Paul Weston coming in as the coach now, and we're going to figure out now. Now you know the pecking order is coming. You know Magic's going to be the next. I mean, excuse me, you're, you're going to see Pat Riley get instituted into this a little bit more, played by Adrian Brody. He's going to come out of the broadcast booth probably to be the assistant. But I thought the uh, episode six was a little bit slow. But I do want to tell all the winning time fans out there, it has been renewed for season two. So we'll keep looking for winning time. Great, great show on HBO uh, Sunday nights at nine o'clock. Solid. That's a wrap. Episode 43. My name is Mikey Nails. And I'm Dean the Dream. And you have been listening to the Sports Chumps episode 43. Nails, feel better. We'll see you next week. There is freedom within, there is freedom without, try to catch the deluge in a paper cup. There's a battle ahead, many battles are lost, but you'll never see the end of the road while you're traveling with me.
Yeah.